I'm going to continue, like Chloe said, the summer series on treasure, um, where we've been asked to think about what that means to us. Um, So as I read this preach over and over again, I came to the realisation that I haven't really uh, gone into depth into many places, uh, and I've also not quite landed so well. I'm a little bit like, this bridge is a bit like an aeroplane where we're going to Hong Kong, then we say we're going to uh, Singapore, and then we say we're going to the UK, and then we land somewhere random that uh, feels a bit rough, and we still clap for the pilot, hopefully. Um, So yeah, so I'm going to continue, and it's funny that Chloe said that it's not so much a series, because I listened to Monique's uh, chat last week, and uh, after my own, and also hearing about what Mary's going to do, I think next week, I think this is going to follow a pretty, uh, pretty much a series. <laughs> um, all right, so I come to you asking, how do you look for treasure in other people? A few things came to mind when I asked myself this question. I uh, thought about people who are successful, people who are influencers, good public speakers, famous, YouTube stars who have found someone who is good at saying something or has something profound to say. And I think the point all these people, uh, the point all of these people needed was to be found. Uh, Someone had to give them a chance. Someone had to take the risk in trusting them. They probably needed some mentoring or coaching probably from somebody in the field in which they are uh, wanting to be a part of. But amongst all of this, when they went really far, the ones who were, also, were the ones who were also given the freedom, in every sense of the word, to surpass their mentors or coach and the expectations and possibilities of those around them. Most of all, I think they also knew how to block out the noise of those who uh, would like to see their own motives succeed above someone else's whether it be because of jealousy or wanting to maintain a protective bubble around them. And this is what I want to talk about with you all today. Our passage for today is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. But before I read it through, I want to talk a little bit about what this book is about and give it a little bit of context. The book of 1 Timothy is a letter from Paul, an experienced leader, to Timothy, a younger leader, giving him encouragement and instruction on leading the Christian church in Ephesus. Timothy was one of Paul's closest companions, uh, whom Paul was the one who sent him to Ephesus to counter the false teachings that had arisen there, teachings that had strayed from the truth and missed the mark on what Jesus came uh, to say by adding their own rules and practices, making a church that was embedded in lies and in a lack of love. My study Bible put it like this. The book of 1 Timothy is a book full of advice and instruction on things such as how church leadership and public leadership uh, worship should look, how to confront false teaching, and how to uh, to treat various groups of people within the church. So on to today's reading. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. Beautiful. They did that today. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, 
Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will, both, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Give me a sec, sorry. Oh, my nose was running and it's uh, giving me a nightmare. So, like I said earlier, Timothy was a young preacher. And it would have been almost understandable uh, why the elders above him were looking down on him because of his youth. The very fact this story is in the Bible, we can know uh, as a reader that Timothy is pretty special. But those around him at the time couldn't see it because of his age and presumed experience. So Paul says to him, don't let them look down on you because of how you appear to them, but you must still earn their respect through the example that Paul knows Timothy is setting with his speech, in his love, in his faith, and in his purity. He encourages Timothy to keep this up. Paul also encourages Timothy to pay close attention to himself in what he is saying and doing. I believe he says this because I know for some it can be very easy to leak feelings of how we feel when we act or say something, and we might not even realise that we're doing it. Paul finally reminds Timothy to not forget who he is and what God put him there to do. So I want to talk now a little bit about what I think this passage might be trying to tell us about ourselves, what it might be trying to tell us about others, and more importantly, what I believe God wants us to all know through this passage. So first of all, what might this passage be trying to tell us about ourselves? Timothy could have quite easily have fallen into the trap of thinking that those older than him knew better, and spoiler alert, they didn't. The church in Ephesus was rife with false teaching, like I said. If Timothy did fall into that trap, then it would have been a completely different church. The people in Ephesus may not have known the truth of God that he was trying to give them, a truth of love and a truth that would have literally set some people free in that community uh, from guilt and shame. So why do I think Timothy didn't let himself uh, become, a small, become small in the face of those more senior than him? I believe it's because he has lots of protective factors to help him prevent him from straying from the path God set out for him. And what do I mean by this? I mean, there are lots of things that reminded him of what the right thing to do was when he didn't. We are only human. Timothy was a human like you and I. And forgetting what is important seems somewhat familiar when you read the Bible and learn about how people forget and fall from greatness. But it also feels familiar when we probably examine ourselves. So what were these protective factors? Firstly, from learning about Timothy, 
I know I, I read, um, I know that he read and listened to the word of God and prayed. I believe he does this because it is one of the main ways to actively learn the honest truth, God's truth. Particularly reading the Bible, I believe, was what gave Timothy an edge in being able to cut through the false teachings. How could he say they were false unless he knew that, uh, what the truth was? And I don't think anyone in this room would be able to say that they have not seen how damaging to a person's life a mistruth can be, but how freeing the truth can be. And I'm, a, I'm no uh, uh, Bible-hugging, uh, always-praying fanatic. I commonly fail to read my Bible as much as I'd like to, and I promise I'm working on that because I do believe that reading the Bible and praying as a Christian is important to know the truth. And uh, to steal a quote from the movie The Love Guru, which I, can't, I don't know if I'm the first person to quote The Love Guru in church, um, The Love Guru says this acronym in one of his lessons. He uh, points up to the board and it says Bible. And under, next to each one it says basic instructions before leaving earth. Which I thought was pretty accurate to uh, why I want to understand the Bible more. Now, no matter what you believe in regards to every story in the Bible being a recount of an actual event, I can be sure of this. The Bible is a great tool to know God and the truth of life through its stories. And this combined with some sort of prayer, whether it be sitting in silence and not saying a word, just talking about what's on your mind, or even some sort of scripted prayer, there is a great opportunity for us to become open to God and speak truth, uh, uh, to become open to God to come and speak truth to you. It requires practice, though. In verse 15 of the passage today, Paul says, Timothy must be diligent because, like our bodies and growing stronger, we need exercise. Just like practicing prayer and reading the Bible, it needs practice to get right. The next protective factor I want to talk about that Timothy has to protect him from straying from the truth is a mentor. I think it is evident that Paul is a good mentor by the quality of advice he is giving and particularly through the letters that Paul writes. He is, his letter to Timothy is very empowering and I believe it also seems to be in alignment with what most would consider pretty moral. Paul uh, also does all the things I mentioned above, and he has been doing them for a while now. Paul is much elder than Timothy, so when Timothy is receiving advice from someone else who is elder than him, that he knows he should listen to and respect, he can cross-reference this with what Paul, uh, his mentor, has said. So if he feels what he is doing is in, or what he is saying is in conflict with what Paul says, or what he is hearing is in conflict with what Paul says, Things along the lines of what Paul has said to him, do not let others' perception of you hinder what you are doing and remember what God put you there to do because God is good and therefore it is good. Then he can respectfully reject any contrary advice knowing it is not the truth. So to the next point, what might today's passage be telling us about others? Well, I want to first uh, spin the proverbial table here and sit on the other side as I talk about this, on the other side of that table, and think about how this passage may be a caution to us all. 
to when we find if we find ourselves looking down upon others because of our own misguided perception of truth uh, or ourselves being a bad mentor to others. For me, this mistruth looks like many things. Uh, of note, I'd say it looks a little bit like entitlement, things like believing that uh, I earned this because of the time that I've had, because of something that I've gathered, I've earned this. It, I think about prejudice, the thought of, I have known plenty of people who look or act like that. I know what they are like. But where have these thoughts left me when I have thought them? Well, on the most part, has left me closed off to the truth about someone or something and surprised me when I make the effort to get to know someone or something. It has left me speaking or acting from a position uh, uh, that's embedded in mistruth, uh, enabling me to hurt not only myself, but more importantly, others when they buy into my words and the example I'm setting. This is why I have the belief that people have the power to do immense good, but also immense destructive evil. I believe today's passage is saying, I believe today's passage is saying this is something to look out for when we buy into others' opinions of ourselves or others. Like I said earlier, Timothy needed advice and encouragement to ensure he was able to remain on the path leading to truth. And we all need advice and encouragement to not listen to others projecting their mistruth on us. I would also like to take a moment to say that with almost absolute surety, there are those around you or in your immediate vicinity that need advice and encouragement, and you have, have either have or have had the opportunity to give it. If you don't want to know what that might look like, I want to share with you something again from my study Bible, my most useful tool for writing preachers, it seems, uh, that highlights six steps that uh, Paul modelled that I thought were helpful to me when giving advice and encouragement. But I'd also say that these are useful models to refer to when discerning whether others are giving good advice and encouragement to us. And you might even want to reflect upon your own methods of giving advice and encouragement. So number one, begin with the encouragement. People who, were, uh, people who know we will encourage them will be happy to listen to us. Expect of others only what you expect of yourself. People will resist unfair standards. Can you think of a bad boss who has told you to do something they are not already doing themselves? Number three, develop expectations of others with considerations to their skills, maturity, and experience. People will reject or fail expectations that do not fit them. A personal side note, in my opinion, this is one that I see leaders most commonly getting wrong when they assume someone's skill maturity or experience. Also be patient with distracted or slow learners. Monitor your expectations of others. Changing circumstances sometimes require revised or reduced expectations. Number five, clarify your expectations with others. People are not likely to hit a target that no one has identified. Number six, finally, end with encouragement. People love to be thanked when something is done well. And 
It doesn't have to be this prescriptive. However, maybe the first step for you to understand that everything that I've said, no matter how convincing, may not be the truth unless it leaves you and others in a place where they feel loved and respected. So now I want to finally talk about what I think God wants us to know from reading this passage. So this talk about finding treasure in other people has turned into quite a lengthy talk about truth and and mentoring. So here's the point. I believe God has put every person on this earth with a piece of treasure to give you, some big and some small but all of which is embedded in helping us find the truth of life. This is why God God calls us to call one another to... Hang on, let me start that again. This is why God calls us to love one another as we love ourselves. Let me put that in perspective of this text. The situation in Ephesus, although was not great, provided Timothy with the opportunity to be able to flourish as a leader in a way that he could not have otherwise. Later in the book, you will learn that Timothy was able to stand up and earn the respect of those who looked down upon him and provide some meaningful teaching in regards to the message of Jesus. Due to the situation in Ephesus, Timothy was also able to receive some mentoring that allowed him to further his practice as a leader, something he was called by God to do to the point where the letters to Timothy from Paul somewhat end by Paul asking him to uh, come so that he may pass the leadership baton on to him. And I would say that the criticism from those in Ephesus might not have felt much like treasure when compared to the advice in Paul's letter, but nonetheless, Timothy grew in God's plan for him through both being useful. And to illustrate this concept more, I want to talk about one of my favourite Christmas movies. And it's a real shame that Matt's not here. And I did kind of know he was here when I talked about this, but maybe he might listen. Because Matt loves Christmas. Our priest in charge really loves Christmas. So when Christmas comes around, you'll see a visible change in that man. But also, perhaps when I I, I write this preach, uh, my mind goes to Christmas, because where I'm from in Australia, uh, Christmas is during the summertime, and it is currently summertime here. So anyway, enough of that. In the movie Home Alone, the main character is a child named Kevin. I hope these aren't spoilers. It is quite an old movie. One of the things the movie makes clear is that Kevin is afraid of the old man who puts salt outside on the road. The old man does not seem impressed by Kevin either. But to cut a long story short and to maybe ruin it for the people who haven't seen it, once Kevin realised the old man isn't that scary, there is a beautiful transaction where the two, uh, that takes place in a church between the two regarding the old man's relationship with his son and Kevin's relationship and feelings with his family, about his family. I call it a transaction because both share wisdom and some treasure with each other, the old and the young finding treasure in each other. The end result is both understand love in a new way, but I'll leave you to watch it so you can make your own interpretation. If you haven't already. Who hasn't seen Home Alone? So moving along from that, I believe that God is also saying through today's passage that your characteristics and your circumstances are not a handicap unless you choose it. Jesus made it clear that God uses all those on earth. The challenge as a Christian is to live 
so that others may see Christ in you. I was once told I shouldn't let people know outright that I am a Christian. Rather, they should find out by the way I carry myself and the way I act. And this is what Paul says to Timothy too. In verse 15, he says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So to conclude, the Bible, prayer, God, mentors, all provide different things to different people. All of what I've said today is how I believe God is speaking to me. So I would ask that you would join me in becoming Hope Church treasure hunters, seeking treasure through truth in all. I want to also encourage, if you don't have a mentor, go find one. If you are an elder, particularly find someone who you might learn from who is much younger. If you are younger, I would especially encourage you to find someone who is elder to be your mentor. But guard against bad mentors, though. Truth must always be embedded in love and truth and respect. Most of all, the challenge is when finding treasure, you need to know where to look. I would encourage you to love one another as you love yourself and see what happens as a simple first step because love and respect is God's truth. Maybe even try offering yourself up as a treasure and truth of love to someone who may need it. And uh, if I could invite the, uh, the band up. I think I, re- I think I spoke really quick. How good's that? So I want to I pray uh, for us now. Particularly with where we are as a community, as a world, and the current situation that we are in as a church. And I want to say that... Uh, we are capable of finding our own truth. And I, I felt as I prayed, I prayed a lot this morning because this is probably the least polished preach I've ever done. Uh, particularly, I was worried about not landing. But I believe that there is truth out there and that if we're on the fence or if you feel called by God and you don't yet know where to start, I want to dedicate this prayer to, to you. Father God, God of truth, I pray over this church, over this community and your world. God, I pray that we may find treasure in all through your love. Only you, Father, can tell us the way, can show us the path to truth. I pray that you would guard us, Father, from any mistruth, from those who seek to bring us down. Father, we know that this journey is not straightforward. We know that it is full of driftwood, still areas, openings of where we don't know where to go. But Father, whilst you are with us, whilst you are the light in us, I pray that you may guide us that we may stay faithful to you, Father. And Lord, I pray over anyone who may be asking questions about where they're at. 
or whether they should come and try this God thing, maybe. Maybe they're on the fence about where they want to stand. Father, I pray your spirit of truth, that we may find that treasure, Father, of truth. Let us be called to action, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.